This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This thing in Memphis... I mean, it's uh, it's weirder than the Paul Pelosi case and a lot more serious, obviously. This poor guy is moments away from getting beaten to death. He is swarmed by like five cops at this moment. And these cops, in addition to being brutal thugs, it looks like, uh, are incompetent, totally incompetent. I mean, he got away. He actually gets away. Uh, after the initial pullover, he somehow gets away. It's kind of wild, isn't it? I mean, uh, cops uh, misbehaving uh, this grossly, this criminally. I mean, after all of those protests, right, for racial and social justice, this, this somehow did not bring about the positive change people were looking for? Mouthing off in a cop's face did not do the trick. Wow, Black Lives Matter, summer 2020. I thought everything was going to be different. This made things worse for all of us. And how did they become cops? Um, We're finding out, and it looks like it is a result of the insanity from the left, especially Black Lives Matter and everybody complicit with them, from the NFL to you name it, Disney, all the people who threw their logo right next to Black Lives Matter, I think they bear some responsibility. Now, Becoming a cop, traditionally, we know how to do it, right? We know how to screen people. You give them a test. You give them a a very serious, uh, competitive civil service exam. And then there's a background check, criminal background check and everything else. You want to talk to the guy's employers. You want to talk to neighbors. You want to talk to spouses and ex-spouses. That's all that goes into it. Oh, and you have to take a mental health check. Yes, the police psychological exam. Uh, it's serious. They can tell if you're lying, apparently. It's a true-false uh, test, 700 questions, and the, they're very random, and uh, you can't beat the test. It's going to find out whether or not you are able or not. So these five guys, huh? They became cops. I'll tell you, this is a department in total and complete decline. We don't have the entire records of these individuals, but the place where they worked, tolerating criminals, tolerating criminals among the men and women in blue. This report is from one year ago this month. 
A lot of people look at the risk associated with the job and don't want to take that risk. And the pay doesn't help. Lieutenant Cage says Memphis police salaries don't match up to the higher paying suburban jobs. To fight that, Memphis is offering a $15,000 sign-on bonus and changing minimum requirements for new recruits. Hurdles that have kept many people from making the force in the past, like the physical fitness requirement. The physical ability test, instead of it being a time test, it will not be timed. It's not going to be passed or fail. Um, it's just going to be an, an assessment. MPD is also cutting the minimum number of college credit hours to 24, down from 54. I don't think it's lowering any standards. It's just making adjustments uh, to accommodate this current generation. Accommodate the current generation? There are colleges all over the place. It's so easy to enroll in college. The job is getting more and more complex, that of a police officer, yet they are lowering the education requirements. They had to. They thought they had to because nobody wants to be a cop these days. But it gets worse. The most controversial change may be in the way MPD is looking at candidates' police record. Yes, a criminal record. We are taking uh, a really close look at candidates that have small infractions um, on their, um, if there's whether it's a criminal record or whether it's um, records regarding employment stability or driving history. We're looking at those and we're looking at them on a case by case basis. I took it a step further and checked with the post commission. That's the Tennessee Peace Officer Standards and Training Commission. Any law enforcement agency can ask for a waiver. The rule reads in part, the commission may waive requirements for a person who has been convicted of or pleaded guilty to any felony charge relating to force, violence, excluding domestic violence, theft, dishonesty, gambling, or liquor charges. Felony assault? Grand larceny? What? These things are no-brainers. You can't be a cop with this stuff on your record. But after Black Lives Matter summer, they had to... Uh, they had to reevaluate, didn't they, in a big way. This is so radically different from, uh, from America, <laughs> from what we know. America knows how to run a police department. Up until the country lost its mind, it really happened in the overreaction to George Floyd. Nobody wants to be a cop these days. Who remembers Dragnet? Dragnet. Uh, I remember the reruns. And these guys spell out what it takes to be a cop. And this applied up until very, very recently. Maybe you've forgotten what you went through to join. The physical endurance tests, the psychological evaluations. Are you suited to be a police officer? Can you be objective? Will your emotions affect your job? Can you take orders? Can you give them? Does carrying a gun and a badge give you a feeling of power? Now, if you don't measure up properly to all those qualifications, you don't get into this minority, Carl. Only the best men do, the cream. All right. Right. You can't uphold those standards today. No. With how we have treated the police as a country, the media, academia, you name it. Jack Webb, by the way, is as Joe Friday. Now, they had that specialized unit in Memphis, uh, the Scorpion unit. Pretty intense name, right? Um, something about these guys, actually, I noticed uh, and I talked to some law enforcement professionals and uh, something's going on here. Uh, a complete lack of uniformity which often suggests a lack of discipline. Drop the banner for a moment. Everybody's kind of doing their own thing when it comes to, uh, to the uniform. That's an indicator that um, 
things not, might not be very well run. It's not exactly a tight ship. But according to Memphis media, they were getting the job done, at least initially. It's been three weeks since Memphis police launched the new Scorpion unit. The unit was created to address violent crimes throughout the city. Since its start just three weeks ago, the Scorpion unit has made 338 arrests, including 125 felony arrests, and they've recovered 95 weapons. Wow. Um, Scorpion unit. It's been disbanded. Scorpion. Uh, that's a pretty intense name. Here's what it actually stands for. Let's go through this. Street Crimes Operation to Restore Peace in Our Neighborhoods. Scorpion, though. Scorpion. Okay. Pretty intense name. Uh, the, the crimes, and they were crimes, it looks like to me, of this, of this unit has ruined it for many, many other cities because we're seeing, again, an overreaction. This is Ben Crump, who is uh, a race hustler and manages to make a lot of money out of other people's tragedies. Take a look. These uh, organized crime units, often known as the jump out boys in many uh, communities of color. Now, they don't do this in white communities, but they do it in communities of color where they are very aggressive. They trample on the constitutional rights of the citizens. They engage in excessive force, almost with impunity. Uh, painting with a pretty broad brush there, aren't you, Ben Crump? Wow. They have these, uh, these units where the black people are, not where the white people are. You want to leave it at that? You don't want to talk about crime patterns and perhaps these specialized units are deployed to areas where there's higher crime? You just want to say it's a white-black thing. Okay. And speaking of um, white-black things, you know, so much in America is about optics these days. And I'm wondering about the qualifications of the Memphis police chief. I would bet money that, in part, she was given this job because uh, she's a woman and she's a woman of color. Now, that's great, although it's neither here nor there. I mean, is it great to be a white man? Is it great to be a black? I don't think it really matters. But these days, it matters more than ever. And if you're a corporation or law enforcement, you want a person of color. It's the trend right now throughout law enforcement. Um, yeah, this is, uh, this is very fashionable. It's very fashionable. And here's a stunning example of using women like this, using them for political purposes or using them to actually hide behind. Here's an example. Who remembers January 6th? Of course, we all do. Remember the uh, incomprehensible security failure and officers just standing there allowing the protesters to go in? We don't know. <laughs> we don't know 1% of what happened on that day. Anyway, uh, the first hearing they had about two weeks after January 6th, it featured the recently fired Chief Sund and a captain in the police department, in the Capitol Police Department on the left. Uh, who do you think they started with? The chief who ran the department or the captain, woman of color, who had roughly 200 people who outrank her? Which one do you think they started with? And we all believed it was important that we hear from someone who was on the front lines that day. Uh, and I'd like to recognize Captain Carnesha Mendoza of the U.S. Capitol Police. Captain Mendoza has been a member of the Capitol Police 
for almost 19 years. On January 6, she rushed to the Capitol when she heard that her fellow officers needed immediate help and assumed command in the rotunda as she and her colleagues fought to push back the rioters and ultimately drive them out of the building. Captain, thank you for sharing your story today. Thank you, good morning. Thank you for the opportunity to speak before the committee today and thank you all for your service to our country. All right. My name is Captain Carnesha Mendoza. You see what's happening here? You see? This is Captain Carnesha Mendoza. I'm sure she's a fine cop. Uh, why is she the lead testifier, the lead witness for the failures on January 6th? Because I don't know if you caught that. She actually wasn't there when the violence started. She wasn't. It was approximately 1.30 in the afternoon. I was home eating with my 10-year-old, spending time with him before what I knew would be a long day when a fellow captain contacted me and told me things were bad and that I needed to respond in. Okay, that's great. All right, good for her. Why is she the lead witness? The chief is right next to her and she speaks first and she wasn't there for half the day. You know what's going on here. They're hiding behind her. They're using her. They put a black woman out there and somehow it inhibits tough questioning. It's true. It's reality. That's happening. This is happening, too. They're trying to make this a MAGA thing, right? Some of the worst DAs, district attorneys in the country. Uh, these guys are horrific, by the way. They are pro-criminal, anti-cop, and they're trying to portray the current trends, like cities totally out of control, that somehow Trump is responsible. No joke. These states in the United States that have a rate of homicide that is 40% higher are MAGA states. They are Trump states. I'll say it again. The rate of homicide in Trump states as compared to Biden states, take all 50 of them, is 40 percent higher. How about that, huh? Let's take a look at Tennessee. That's where Memphis is, right? It's a red state. I'll give you that, uh, Krasner. But look at Memphis. Uh, it's right in the heart of a place called Shelby County, and that's about as blue as you can get. But this is a this is a Trump thing, right? We are having such a ludicrously stupid conversation about law enforcement and race in America to avoid having an important substantive one. And folks, I put my money where my mouth is, right? I have a book on this subject. Uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to tell you about it one more time. Justice for all. How the left is wrong about law enforcement. Uh, it is incredible what they won't say and what they will say, right? It's all here, available wherever books are sold. Thank you again for your consideration, and I'll be right back. Uh, nothing that's happening right now is normal, especially with, with him. He came to New York today. Uh, he was several blocks away, uh, but I actually think I heard him because he was yelling and screaming. There's nothing we can't do. Nothing. When the hell has America ever, ever, ever set a goal that it didn't reach? When has it ever? Name me a time. Name me a time when America's gone through a crunch and didn't come out stronger on the other side than went in. Why is he yelling at those hard hats? What did they have to do with anything? Uh, one more time. What, what's the question? Name me a time. 
it's more of a challenge, I guess. Uh, name you a time when America failed? Well, here you go, Joe. You asked for it. It happened on your watch, the hor horrific failure in Afghanistan. That is on you. Completely unnecessary. Now the Taliban. Remember those guys? We spent 20 years trying to beat them, and uh, they run Afghanistan. Wow. What a waste. And that's on you. Nothing is normal right now, Joe. Nothing is normal. I'm sorry about the president of the United States. Did you see this today? Tell me if I'm overreacting, but watch. He walks out and he does something. Take a look. What's behind the decision to end the COVID emergency, Mr. President? What's behind your decision to end the COVID emergency? COVID emergency will end when the Supreme Court ends it. We've extended to May the 15th to make sure we get everything done. That's all. There's nothing behind the law. I just can't. Why is he? That's no way to get under an umbrella. He's holding that woman's hand, right? <laughs> I want to take a closer look, if you don't mind. Uh, here he comes. He sees an opportunity. He's going to cop a feel, and he does. You hold it by the, by the stem of the umbrella, by the stick. What do you call that? By the, you don't grab a woman's hand. Joe, you've been told that you get too close. Remember? Remember all that stuff that happened to the, in the campaign? And you apologized. You told us you weren't going to do this stuff anymore. Social norms have begun to change. They've shifted. And the boundaries of protecting personal space have been reset. And I get it. I get it. I hear what they're saying. I understand it. And I'll be much more mindful. That's my responsibility. My responsibility, and I'll meet it. This is one of the many problems with Joe Biden. He does not change. He does not correct. He, he repeats the same mistakes. He repeats the same lies over and over and over. That old thing about Amtrak and how many miles he lo he's logged. When I was vice president, I flew over a million miles on Air Force Two. And I was uh, going home as a United States, uh, as vice president. And one of the conductors said to me, Hey, Joe, big deal. Million, whatever, 200. You said you've, oh, you've traveled over a million miles on Amtrak. So how the hell do you know that? And they added it up. But, but folks, look. All right. Basically, nothing he just said is true. Uh, and there are a million other problems with the story he just told. Uh, the folks at the RNC documented all of the many discrepancies uh, in Joe's tale, as he's told it over the years. Fastidious record of the miles you travel in an America in a Air Force aircraft as president and vice president. And toward the end of my term, fourth or fifth year as president, vice president, seven years in, headline came out in all the papers, Biden travels, I think it was 1.3 or 1.7 million miles. A million, 400,000 miles. One million, I think, don't hold me the exact number, I think it was 350,000 miles. A million, 200,000 miles. One thousand, one million, 300,000 miles on Air Force One. And a guy named Angelo Negri came up, he goes, Joey, baby, grabbed my cheek like that. And he said, big deal, Joey. A million, whatever it was, 300,000 miles. Two million miles. A million, 200,000, 300,000 miles. You know how many miles you travel on Amtrak, Joey? And I said, no, Angie, I know. And he said, that retirement dinner, we calculated it. We estimated it. 
127 days a year, 119 days a year, 131 days a year, 117 days a year, 121 days a year, 36 years. Plus, as vice president, boom, boom, you have traveled over 2 million miles, 1,515,000 miles, 2 million, I think it was 180, but 2,200,000 miles, 2,100,000 miles on Amtrak. It's a true story. Everything is bogus, okay? That conductor died years before he could have had those conversations. Uh, now, it's just about a train ride. Uh, it's not a big deal, but what about the things that are far more serious? Bo Biden, his son who served honorably in the military, did not die in Iraq, as Joe has falsely claimed. Joe has also claimed that he was shot at in Iraq. Joe personally was shot at in Iraq. Brian Williams lost his job over that, didn't he? Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, and oh, not talking to Hunter ever about business. Does anybody really believe that? And on the train situation, we did the math ourselves to uh, figure out, OK, what's going on here? And it never actually came all that close to a million miles. OK, well short of it. But you saw he's all over the place. Joe never learns. This story has gotten him in trouble so many times. Joe gets himself in trouble so many times. But I've learned one thing since I've decided to run for president, and I assume one thing. Everything about me, everything about me is going to come out in the public record. And I've done some dumb things, and I'll do dumb things again. Yeah, but the stakes are a lot higher now. You're the president, not the junior senator from some nowhere state. Sorry, Delaware, you're responsible for this guy. Will we know everything about Joe Biden? I think we, we know a lot, but some people... Some people don't. You know, they're still covering up this laptop. <laughs> they're still doing uh, Joe's bidding. Pretty wild, isn't it? All right. Joe is um, kind of fixated on transgender youth. You ever hear about that? He, he talks about it at the uh, uh, State of the Union. Well, not all transgender youth are uh, good people, apparently. This transgender youth uh, accused of killing her father and sister in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, a horrible crime. That's the allegation. And yeah, she happens to be trans. The allegation stabbed father and sister over an argument. The father dead, sister critically injured, that is, sorry, sent to Rikers Island, held without bail. Funny thing is, the left says that anything transgender is A-OK. -okay. We have the radicalization of young men. This is an issue. Um, young women are not doing this. Young non-binary people are not doing this. Trans people are not doing this. This is an issue that we have. Yeah, she was talking about mass shootings and saying only white men do that kind of thing. And uh, white men are the ones who do all the bad things in America. I, trans people are people. Got to remember that. People, well, people are complex. And plenty of trans people have done some pretty bad things, all right? The one after the next, we can go through it. Uh, uh, trans, LGBTQ, people are people. People are people. These things happen, and not one group is better than another, okay? Sometimes it feels like uh, straight white male Christians are at the bottom of the heap, right? There's just no status whatsoever because we are so, I don't know, but uh, AOC, take a look, all right? I think you want to revise and amend your comments, and I'll be right back.
This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hey guys, it's Rob Carson. Are the Biden administration's New Year's goals of tax and spend and turn a blind eye to inflation at odds with your goals of securing your savings? When you finally had enough of the games government is playing with your savings and retirement, diversify into gold with Birch Gold. For over 5,000 years, gold has withstood inflation, geopolitical turmoil, and stock market crashes. And here's the great news. You can still get it. In fact, you can own gold and silver in a tax-sheltered retirement account. Birch Gold makes it easy to convert your IRA or 401k into an IRA in precious metals. Here's what you need to do. Text the word ROB to 989898 to claim your free info kit on gold. With over 20 years of experience converting IRAs and 401ks into precious metal IRAs, Birch Gold can help you. Protect yourself with gold today by texting ROB to the number 989898. There's no obligation to make this request. Just text ROB to 989898. So, thank you for your help on this. You know, Newsmax was deplatformed by AT&T's uh, DirecTV last Wednesday, and we lost 13 million homes. Newsmax can't be seen now in 13 million homes that had us on Tuesday, last Tuesday. It was pure censorship. This is the second conservative channel they've canceled in a year. Now, they claim that they've saved you money. Uh, that's not the case. DirecTV is keeping 22 liberal news channels that cost uh, you much more than Newsmax, and they have lower ratings, okay? President Trump is actually urging Americans, uh, if you're a DirecTV subscriber, to cancel them. He also says if you're an AT&T customer, you may want to think about canceling your cell and Internet service. Tens of thousands of people called them last week, expressing their outrage over the situation. Uh, please support free speech and Newsmax and oppose censorship. You can call today. There are the numbers or go to IWantNewsmax.com. We greatly appreciate it. Even if you disagree with us, don't we have a right to uh, say what we're saying? I think so. Many thanks. Okay. Who remembers this guy? We've already been through this. I think the American people would rather hear about more substantial so subjects. Well, you know, as the moderator, sir, I'm going to make a, know, a judgment call here. I know, but three and a half million okay, dollars right. from the Let's mayor of about, Moscow, that talk is, about I not think true. it's a That report is totally discredited. I, I, Mitt I Romney on that committee said it wasn't worth taxpayers' that, money, that report. It was written for political it, reasons. You know, I'd like to talk about climate change. So would I. Okay. Chris Wallace. Good riddance, right? We, we don't see him anymore. He's not going to be moderating any debates after that. You know who might be moderating a presidential debate? Even the mainstream media is talking about it. I'm not kidding. Vanity Fair. Uh, Republican 2024 candidates might have to step outside their right-wing media bubble. Hmm. Well, take a look at the lead paragraph, okay? Um, picture this. It's summer, and Republican presidential hopefuls are gathered on stage for their first 2024 presidential primary debate. Who's moderating? The most unlikely of duos, CNN's Anderson Cooper and Newsmax's Greg Kelly. It's just a trial balloon from... Uh, 
From Vanity Fair magazine, I guess some people read it somewhere, and that's fine. Actually, I appreciate it, so I don't want to insult um, Vanity Fair magazine. Thank you for that. Uh, what else? Oh, the debate stage. If I, I, I'm not really interested in the primary debates. I want to do a, a big one, and we're going to have to get rid of this logo, which is, by the way, a beer logo. It's a beer logo, uh, literally. The debate is sponsored by Anheuser-Busch. And they put that thing, it's not for America, it's for their beer, okay? Seriously, take a look. They, they spend a lot of money um, on presidential debates. They sponsor it, and they get to put a beer logo right in the middle. Isn't it enough? I mean, they, football games, isn't that debates too? All right, uh, who saw this? It's still getting some uh, attention a couple of days later. There's been this, this attack on law enforcement and you're not getting the best of the best. In fact, they may have 100 openings and get 10 people to apply. We're just 10, 20 years ago. Aren't you making the have... case for federal standards? No, I, 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 I get you. But I don't think anybody in Washington is seriously advocating defunding the police. I get this, but that's not been the federal debate. That's not been the federal debate. That's not how it they works. Keep, keep they, information they from the American Twitter to, to, to okay. comply with subpoenas. Do you that's think, the federal law. Do you think it was okay? That's a law Congress passed. Do you think okay, it's, so that's what we're looking at, the, this Attack of uh, so you're gonna look at, are you going to look at Paul Man- are you going to look at the role Paul Manafort played with? All he even tried to change the leadership Chuck, at the Justice Department. My point is, want to protect if the you are Amendment. if you are concerned about the weaponization of the Justice Department in the Biden years, why not investigate the Trump years? <laughs> why not investigate the Trump years? The investigation started before he even became president. Uh, did you hear what he said? He was so exasperated. This moderator, Chuck Todd. Donald Trump even thought about removing the head of the Justice Department. You can't do that. These Justice Department employees, they're special somehow. They don't report to the president. Take a look. 116,000 employees, 3,000 of them, plus or minus, are political appointees. And President Trump, he does not have the power to remove the attorney general, essentially. Uh, It's crazy how taken with themselves they are. Merrick Garland. I'm sorry, but America, we we don't work for him. We also don't work for Chris Ray. At one point, they said if President Trump fired Chris Ray, he would be impeached. Jim Comey, you know how the Russia investigation actually started? In the wake of Trump's firing, the well-deserved firing of Comey. It's pretty crazy stuff. All right, this guy, remember him? Maybe you don't, maybe you do. Judge Ludig, uh... Trump derangement syndrome, bad. He's an ex-judge. When he got to the bench, he looked uh, very different. (laughs) Granted, he was younger, but I think the the derangement had something to do with it. Um, As an ex-judge in retirement, he tweeted just prior to January 6th that he knew exactly what Vice President Pence was capable of and not capable of and entitled to do and not entitled to do. The only responsibility and power of the Vice President under the Constitution is to faithfully count the Electoral College votes as they have been cast. All right, that's one ex-judge's opinion. I thought we had courts, courts of appeals, Supreme Courts, and these things, are five to four decisions happen all the time. So they did a great big I love you, Judge Ludig piece in the Washington Post today. And uh, a conservative judge helped stop Trump on January 6th. He wants to finish the job. Does that sound democratic to you? Uh, Take a look at some of the quotes in the story. Uh, Ludig can think of only one reason he would have been rested out of quiet semi-retirement for this mission. It was, he concluded, nothing less than divine intervention. Well, listen, God is ultimately in charge of everything, but he works in mysterious ways. 
And uh, just because you did what you did doesn't mean it was divine. Far from it. There's something else in this piece. Getting praise from uh, all kinds of Democrats. There's a good argument, says Katyal. He was Obama's uh, solicitor general who teared up twice during an interview that Judge Ludig, by not being on the Supreme Court, did more for our democracy than most any sitting Supreme Court justice or past one. Wow. Um, This is what democracy looks like for the swamp. All right. This is what he did that I think in terms of public life makes him quite dangerous. Donald Trump and his allies and supporters are a clear and present danger to American democracy. All right, here's where the danger comes in. This guy apparently is a real wordsmith, very, very careful with his words. The clear and present danger, that goes back to the Supreme Court. It's a decision that says certain rules can be suspended. You can throw out the First Amendment if the survival of the country is at stake. I am a Donald Trump ally and supporter. He's talking about me. If you are, he's talking about you as well. This is the guy. This is the guy that's uh, saving democracy. There's nothing democratic about one person in retirement controlling our country. Absolutely the opposite of democracy. We got problems. I'll be right back. President Trump. (laughs) They just can't beat him. They're trying. They're trying uh, like crazy. Guy, man, how does he survive? All these crazy investigations, lawsuits, uh, and they haven't laid a glove on him, in my opinion. Uh, The latest effort is uh, this guy, Mark Pomerantz. He's a, well, oh boy, looks like not a nice man, but who knows. Mark Pomerantz is a lawyer who worked for the district attorney of Manhattan, and uh, they were looking into Donald Trump. The district attorney said, uh, "We're not going to, we're not going to pursue charges." He left in a great big huff, and now he's writing a book about it. Is that legal? Can you do that? Uh, the People versus Donald Trump. Uh, this is his book, and uh, Joe Takapina, criminal defense attorney, member of Donald Trump's legal team, is fighting this on behalf of the president. Joe Takapina. Welcome back to Newsmax. How are you? Hey, Greg, how you doing? Terrific. Uh, is that the gist of it? Tell us a little bit more about what's happening here. Yeah, I mean, it's something I've never seen in my career, both as a prosecutor, as a trial attorney. Um, you have someone who, who at one point apparently was a distinguished member of the bar who is willing to commit a violation of the, the New York State penal law, a crime, um, in order to sell a book. And, and that's where... Pomerantz's hypocrisy knows no bounds, um, Greg. It's while he's falsely accusing President Trump of committing numerous felonies, he apparently is committing a felony by using this grand jury information, which is information that was received pursuant to grand jury subpoenas, to sell his book. It's it's something that I've never seen in my life. I don't think anyone has. 
Um, this man signed an agreement when he was pulled out of Paul Weiss, um, a firm that represents Hillary Clinton, as an aside, when he was pulled out of Paul Weiss to become a special prosecutor to investigate the president. Um, one thing he had to do was sign a confidentiality and non-disclosure agreement, which bound him. And, and one of the key points of that agreement was number six in there said that the records in this case have or will be obtained pursuant to grand jury subpoena. I'm reading from the actual agreement. And that pursuant to New York Penal Law 215-70, uh, improper disclosure of such material um, is punishable as a felony. So here we have it. <laughs> Apparently, he's more concerned about selling this book, getting his 15 minutes of fame on the back of Donald Trump yeah. than he is uh, uh, upholding the law as a prosecutor that he was sworn to uphold. So, He's violating the law, and it's unbelievable to me. His boss is Alvin, was Alvin Bragg, the district attorney. Now, we know about this guy. He's kind of... Well, he's he's out there. I think we have a picture of Alvin Bragg. He's uh, known for his wokeness and his fondness of criminals, quite frankly. Uh, it was his decision not to pursue this case, though, apparently. And I want to go to Pomerantz's uh, resignation letter. I believe that Donald Trump is guilty of numerous felony violations in connection mm -hmm. with the preparation and use of his annual statements of financial condition. Uh, you have reached the decision not to seek criminal charges at the present time. I therefore cannot continue in my present position. I've worked too hard as a lawyer and for too long now to become a passive participant in what I believe to be a grave failure of justice. You know, it happens all the time when your boss does something that you don't like, but you work there. You got to go along with it. You're right. I've never lawyers aren't allowed to do this, right? You say it's no, a law. No. Is it a canon of ethics thing? What 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 is he actually it's, violating? It's, well, it's certainly a, a violation of the canon of ethics, but it's a violation of the New York State penal law, right? It is a felony. What he's doing is a felony. Okay. So I really hope that Alan Bragg look, Alan Bragg's repeatedly said that his office will continue to pursue the investigation, their investigation of President Trump without fear or favor because no one is above the law. And I really call on Mr. Bragg to apply those same principles to Mark Pomerantz um, and convene a grand jury to determine whether felony charges should be brought against him for violating the grand jury secrecy laws. I mean, it's black and white. He signed an agreement, and he is now violating it to sell a book. Alvin Bragg, by the way, is doing what I'm doing. He's trying to prevent the release of that book as well because he's saying it will compromise our entire investigation. So it's, it's something that I've just never seen in my career, never thought I would see. But we live in a different world now, in a different <laughs> different age, obviously. Oh. Um, and the claims he made, by the way, Greg, I, as an aside, the things he said in there about the value, inflated value of, of, of the president's assets or the Trump organization's assets were even more outraged and more ridiculous. Those values, those assets of properties uh, were, were independently verified by one of the biggest banks in the world and one of the biggest assessors in the world. So, you know, it, it's a joke to say that the Trump organization tried to defraud or commit fraud against one of the largest banks in the world, most one of the most sophisticated lenders in the world, in, in, in loans of this magnitude and rarity, um, when they did their own independent evaluation, as they would be expected to do. It's, um, it's ridiculous what they put this president through, but uh, he it, always wins. He always wins, and I think he's going to win again, especially with you on his side. Joe Takapina, we appreciate it. Senior partner at the law offices of Takapina, Siegel, and Diorio. Thank you, sir. Great. Thank you. You bet. Be right back. It's interesting that this is probably the I mean, I don't know how many AP courses the DeSantis administration has taken issue with, but I 
probably guessing not any others. And the audacity of someone like Governor DeSantis uh, with, to come out and tell me what my history is and what can be taught to my children, I believe is wholly unacceptable. I don't see Governor DeSantis doing away with AP European history or AP world history. I wonder why that is. Well, with uh, all those critics, something tells me that Governor DeSantis did something right. I'm sure he had a reason. We're going to find out in a moment. First, I'm joined by Keisha King. Welcome back. Florida mother, critical race theory opponent and host of the Keisha King Show podcast. Keisha, welcome back. It's been a while. How are you? I'm good, Greg. Good to see you. Good to see you. All right. So before we get to Governor DeSantis and what he's saying, that one commentator, look, it's true. I took European history. They didn't offer African-American or African AP courses. Um, do you have a problem with that? Maybe we should have a problem with that. Why is there no African AP course in, uh, in Florida? We do have African-American AP courses, but what was happening was they were slipping in, shocker, CRT and queer theory. And the governor, rightfully so, standing up for Floridians, high school students, parents, and those teachers who do not want this, said, no, go back to the drawing board and bring back something that is accurate history and that is something that does not include queer theory, because last time I checked, Queer theory has nothing to do with African-American history. So, you know, it seems to me that actually Governor DeSantis is standing up for black children. He is standing up and saying, no, you can be anything that you want to be. So I don't I don't understand how these, you know, all of these commentators who are so concerned about their blackness, who who want black children to be identified and judged based on their skin color. I would think that they would not want something like that, Greg. I would think that they would want black children and all children to be judged by the content of their character. How beautiful is that? And uh, oh, by the way, it's pretty shocking when you go to the Black Lives Matter website or you, you go deep into some of those corners. There is a lot about trans stuff and queer this and uh it has nothing to do with Africa, I think. But here's Governor DeSantis uh, kind of uh, making it official. Go ahead. In the state of Florida, our education standards not only don't prevent, but they require teaching black history, all the important things. That's part of our core curriculum. This was a separate course on top of that for advanced placement credit. This course on black history, what are one of, what's one of the lessons about? Queer theory. Now, who would say that an important part of black history is queer theory. That is somebody pushing an agenda on our kids. We believe in teaching kids uh, facts and how to think, but we don't believe they should have an agenda imposed on them. When you try to use black history to shoehorn in queer theory, uh, you are clearly trying to use that uh, for political purposes. Make, makes total sense. Keisha, you got a great governor down there. Uh, but on the ground, uh, is our side winning? And the, by our side, I mean the sane side, okay? The part that says uh, queer theory should not be part of this. Are you winning at the local level, the school boards, or is there a lot of friction down there? Just uh, give us an, uh, uh, the lay of the land. 
We are absolutely winning. Uh, Governor DeSantis won by the biggest margin ever in uh, by a Republican in Florida history. So yes, we are winning. Parents can see through this. And you know, I just want to say that the left has always tried to use black Americans, the history of black Americans, use that history, use the, the struggles to push an agenda because none of this helps black people, none of it. So why would they even want something like this in the schools? We are winning, and that is why I also work with uh, FreedomWorks Parents Know Best, and we are helping to expand school choice. So as these, these uh, policies work themselves out, in the meantime, you can get your children into better learning environments because we have a short window of time to get our children educated. The Keisha King Show podcast, available wherever we get our podcasts, right? That's right. All right. Check it out, everybody. Keisha King, good to see you again. Let's do this more often to be continued, and we'll be right back. Thank you. All right. So, you know, we were deplatformed by AT&T's DirecTV, removed Newsmax from 13 million homes. Uh, this is a fight. This is a fight for free speech. And I'm so pleased. We're so pleased that Newsmax has some great allies all over the country. You and Congresswoman Lauren Boebert. Listen to this. AT&T, as long as you continue to, con to censor conservatives and attack the press, I will make it my personal mission to strip the wasteful, ridiculous federal subsidies you receive. AT&T, DirecTV, and to all the woke corporations, this isn't a threat. It's absolutely a promise. Awesome. Federal subsidies. Wow. So uh, this is a fight, folks. We've been deplatformed. We can't be seen now in 13 million homes where we could be seen last Tuesday. If you want to help us, you can call these numbers. Uh, tell DirecTV how you feel. Call AT&T. Uh, Donald Trump actually recommends <laughs> canceling AT&T if you have it. Something to consider. Uh, or go to IWantNewsMax.com. And uh, we'll keep you up to date on everything that's happening. Support free speech and Newsmax. Oppose censorship. We'd so appreciate it. Many, many thanks. And I'll see you tomorrow night. Take care.